Hello, this is Anthony Kaponovich, and you are now listening to Insatiable with your hosts, Lori and Smiley. Cheerio. Good morning. Happy Martin Luther King Day. This is Lori, co-host of the Insatiable podcast with Smiley. And before, I mean, I'm not going to be able to do too much today on Anchor because I'm going to be running around. But I started my day with having a very difficult conversation with some friends about the Me Too movement. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. For those of you who don't know, I have a YouTube channel. I've done a whole video on it. I've done my own Me Too piece. I'm generally very happy that this movement started. I think that the journalists who told the the stories that kicked it all off are heroes in, in, in many ways. And I'm glad that we are questioning a culture that enables... Um, people to act this way and to not realize that what they do is harassment and assault and they may not even realize it. That said, it is continuing to expand and definitions are getting blurred. And I think finally people are starting to realize that, you know what, we do need to make distinctions between the kinds of harassment and assault and also things that are sexist, but not harassment or assault or things that are uh, just just bad human connections um, that that are not harassment or assault, but everything's getting lumped together now. Uh, probably not. It's not for the worse. And let me explain. I think for something as uh, as 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 longstanding as the type of toxic masculine culture that many many cultures have in America and also elsewhere. I think for that kind of culture to change, you do need a very strong backlash. And for that backlash to be successful, it often needs to include stuff that goes way overboard. It's just sort of like the balance of, uh, you know, of the social order or the natural order. You know, for, for every action, there is like an equal reaction. And there is going to be some craziness as women speak up and as victims speak up. I don't think victims are only women. Um, and, you know, to try to change and, and alter the way people think so that next time somebody does something that's questionable, they'll stop and be like, wait, am I being kind of like rapey right now? I mean, people do need to stop and think that. That said, um, I think, it, you know, I, I fear sometimes that when we dilute the argument, as in when we broaden definitions too much and we start saying everything is assault and everything is harassment, then we, di- we, we run the risk of destroying the whole movement because then it just seems like, well, now women are just like saying every type of gendered advance or any type of sexual um, um, advance is, is wrong, which personally I disagree with because biologically men and women will be attracted to each other and someone's got to make the first move. And just because the other person you know, doesn't like you or the other person, maybe like just because you're bad at reading um, body language, which many people are, does that mean you are therefore uh, a sexual uh, aggressor and you need to be put down and fired and and whatnot? Um, I think there's a lot of gray area there. But since, you know, I get such awesome feedback from you guys about so many different topics, I'm going to put a uh, post a couple of questions and just thoughts on the idea of consent and what it means. And I would love to hear back from you guys on what you think. All of the discussion obviously centers around the idea of consent. And I think that in all the hysteria, which isn't all bad hysteria, but there's definitely hysteria, we are not having like 
really thoughtful and calm conversations about it on either side and things are not getting explained very well in my opinion. So what I'm going to do in the next couple of segments real quick is to break down what I think men misunderstand about consent and also what I think women under misunderstand about consent. And because I love this anchor community because I think you guys are always calling in and also sharing on your stations opinions in a respectful way and having these open discussions. Um, I am more hopeful that we can have like a calm sharing of ideas here or at least calmer than what I've experienced elsewhere. For the longest time, decent men have always understood that you cannot be one of those guys that doesn't take no for an answer. If a woman says no and you persist anyway, you are a rapist. This is at least understood by decent people. And we're not going to talk about rapists today because I think everyone universally agrees that rapists are bad and no one should rape anyone. So looking at the good men now, when we're talking about everything covered under Me Too, the reason why this movement is so revolutionary is because we're looking at situations where a woman may not be saying no. In some cases, they were, um, but in many cases, they weren't. So now men are th are thinking, shit, well, is it really our fault if the woman doesn't say no? And the answer is yes. Maybe not for you individually, but the answer is that our culture makes it so that it's really hard and sometimes impossible for a woman to say no. I'm going to get to the women in the next segment, but... Before that, I want to explain to the guys out there who are still scratching their heads like, wait, but I don't get it. If she doesn't say no, how am I supposed to know? Um, and why aren't women just saying no? Why aren't women running to the police when things happen to them? Um, and the answer is that, look, every woman that you meet will probably have a story about a time that she rejected a guy and a violent or abusive, verbally abusive reaction happened to that. So women might say, you know, reject an advance on the street. This happens almost every single day in New York, or it probably happens every hour in New York. And a man will be like, you fucking bitch, you cunt. I mean, be just simply because a woman was like, leave me the hell alone right now. I don't want to talk to you. Okay. So when you grow up in a culture like that, and you become to feel it, it, you, you tend to feel unsafe in just flat out rejecting men and hurting their feelings. So we have this culture where women are essentially afraid to hurt men's feelings. So we feel the need to let them down easy, to make up excuses. When guys are overly aggressive, we feel the need to say things like, oh, I have a boyfriend, even if we don't. Because if we don't, they will persist anyway. And in fact, they usually do. You can say any excuse in the book and a guy simply will not stop until you slap him in the face. And that is not okay. Because... When you don't give a person room to say no or to honestly just say, look, I'm not interested, then that person will find it much more difficult to say, I'm not interested. And then you'll start being like, well, now she's sending mixed signals. She didn't exactly say no. She ended up in my apartment, but then she seemed to be like weird when I tried to take her clothes off. I mean, these are all, I mean, you're, you're answering your own question when you start wondering things like this. If it seems like she's hesitant, it's because she is hesitant. And so she... She may mean no, and she may not say it. And so, yes, it is your job as a man and as the person who might be the aggressor in that situation to recognize that like, oh, maybe this chick isn't really into it. So what do you do in that case? You ask. It's that simple. You have to ask. Some men don't want to ask because maybe they don't want to hear no. But then ask yourself this. If you don't want to ask because you don't want to hear no and you think that a no is imminent maybe that makes you kind of rapey. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, so this is the this is what I think men don't understand about consent. The no's aren't always clear. That's true. And I will get to that. But if you are a good guy, you have to start recognizing that there are times when you might be caught up and you're like hormonal, whatever the hell is happening to your body. But if the woman is not enthusiastically there for it, then you need to ask her if she's okay. And yes, yes, guys, I do understand that there are a lot of women who like to play coy and like to play hard to get and who want you to be the aggressor and that that sometimes that's the only way you are going to get sex, but that doesn't excuse the behavior. But like I said, you are not the only problem in this equation. Yes, there are things that women need to know about saying no and about consent and also about the way they behave that makes you behave the way you do. And I'm going to get to that in the next segment. Bottom line, though, for men is that no one is entitled to sex or sexual attention or even to a polite response to a sexual advance. Yes, it is biological that you have sexual urges, but that does not mean anyone has to entertain it. Now for the women. And this is the difficult part because when there's like a movement that's gaining a lot of momentum and you're like part of that movement, but then suddenly you're like, hey guys, maybe we should slow down and like recognize that there's nuance here and that there's a gray area. You know what I'm saying? Um, Nobody wants to hear that because it's kind of like this mentality of you're either with us or against us. Nobody has literally said that to me, but basically when you become like seen as a naysayer, then everybody gets real upset. Like, what are you trying to say? So you're taking that side? You're defending this guy? Um, And no... No, that is not what I'm doing. I do not think that any man should be excused for making an inappropriate advance, whether it's because he's sexually harassing a coworker or because he is um, committing date rape. I don't think any of those things are excusable. But I do think that when it comes to looking at the culture as a whole, which is more important and has longer lasting effects, we as women need to learn how to be more assertive. The same culture that forces men to always be the initiator and always be the aggressor is the culture that also makes women feel the need to be proper and chaste and be the ones that are being pursued and to be the ones that sit there during Netflix and chill and wait for the guy to make the first move. I'm not saying all women universally are like this, but in general, the consensus is if you're a little bit too aggressive as a woman, you might be a slut or you might be too easy. So we have this weird power dynamic that we've both collectively created, not just men, but women as well, that forces men into their role and forces us into our role. And that is part of this like bad culture that leads to men sometimes being aggressive when they shouldn't be or completely misreading cues because they're completely bad at what they're doing. When it comes to a sense of entitlement, which I think is very wrong, We have to recognize that this culture also fuels that sense of entitlement because a man feels like, well, I'm a red-blooded human being, I want sex, and it seems like the only way I can get it is if I aggressively pursue it and I just like wear the girl down until she's willing to have sex with me. That's a sad reality for a lot of guys. Again, I'm not saying this excuses any bad behavior at all, but I am saying that collectively the culture needs to change and that the culture is not just a male culture, it's an everyone culture. And we all have to contribute to its change, whether it's in the way we raise our sons or the way we raise our daughters. And as far as what we can change ourselves in our individual situations, I think that women do need to more be more communicative. Yes, it's true that it's their fault. They as in men, it is some some guy's fault that we feel bad about saying no. I feel it myself. I feel that that pressure to always please when I don't like a guy after a date. It's like. I don't know how to explain it, but every single time I need to tell a guy, you know what, I'm sorry, I didn't feel the vibe. It's so hard for me and I don't know why. 
Oh, sorry. I do know why. I mean, it's so hard for me. I can't change that about myself, but I know that it's because I have been sort of socialized and conditioned to feel like bad for hurting a guy's feelings. And I also, some part of me fears that he's going to hate me or think I'm an asshole or a bitch or like difficult or something like that. And even though I know I have a right, I know for sure that I have a right to say no. I understand the pressure not to. But that doesn't mean that it's on the guys or it's always on all of these men. Some of that is on me. Some of that is me having to reject my conditioning and learn that, you know what, I have a right to say no, I need to assert it even if I fear retaliation. And I'm not saying retaliation is okay, but I am saying that, you know what, probably more than 50% of the time, guys are going to take it better than we think they are. And that's just the truth. For it's true that all of us have had bad experiences, but it's also true that just because we've all had some bad experiences doesn't mean that all men are going to come at us the wrong way just because we say, you know what, no thanks. Today, today is not the day. And look, in those cases where we don't say no and we're not communicating what we want and what we don't want to the man, I don't think we can always be offended by the fact that the man is trying just because you don't like a guy and he's trying doesn't and, and you haven't said no doesn't mean he's like a, a crazy sexual pervert who's trying to rape you. Um, I don't I'm not I mean, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but there is this like um, everyone's attributing these advances to like a sense of entitlement and men assuming they can just get sex just because this or that. I mean, so a lot of these are not assumptions the men are making. They're just trying their luck. And so long as we don't shut it down. They're going to keep trying. And like I said in the earlier segment, this doesn't mean that men don't have to change. They very much do have to change. They need to learn about what our experience is. But just as they need to learn what our perspective is, we need to learn theirs. And that's all I'm saying. So as a general guideline, the respectful way to interact with other human beings is to seek consent. What does that mean? It means that you not only have to ask and respect the no but you have to give space for a person to say no you have to make a person feel understand that they should be comfortable rejecting you and you should be open to it and if they do reject you you are allowed to have some hurt feelings but you should not retaliate against them on the flip side if you are the person who is rejecting a person you need to communicate that rejection fully there will be bad dates where people are not on the same page. There will be bad dates where people can't read each other very well. There will be bad dates where one person wants sex and the other one doesn't. Um, and we all need to learn how to deal with those situations respectfully, not just to simply push for what we want, ignoring what the other person wants, and also not simply expecting the other person to read our minds and know everything about what we want if we don't say so. All of these little failures and breakdowns between human beings are part of life. Um, they should be expected. If you are out there mingling, if you're single, if you're dating, if you're sexually active, you can expect for these breakdowns in communication to happen. Where it goes wrong is where someone doesn't respect your lack of consent. So no, I do not think that every time a man makes a sexual advance, it's an exercise in his entitlement or sense of entitlement to sex. Where his sense of entitlement comes in is when he makes a sexual advance and a woman says no and he doesn't respect her no. So there are two people in that equation. The person making the advance is not wrong yet. The person who says no is definitely not wrong. The person who disrespects the no is wrong. But if the person never says no, then you end up in the gray area. And 
yes, I mean, it's on men to figure out if that no, not weird, no, yes, maybe, I don't know, is a no or not, because he should just ask. And it's also on us as women to teach our kids and to train ourselves to be like, to speak up and just be like, nah, it's not happening. That's not always going to be easy. But guess what? It ain't that easy to be born with a dick and have to always be the one to run the entire situation from the initiation down to the procuring consent or not. It's not all on them. Some of it is on us. It's on all of us. So we need to change that. Before I play the next call-in, I just want to explain a little bit because a few days ago, I did ask a question about faking orgasms. So if you're waiting for the question of the day, I have it for you now. Have you ever faked an orgasm? Tell the truth. And I think the general consensus is that women do this more than men, but I think we might be wrong about that. I think men might fake it more than women realize but tell me your stories if you've done it or if you've discovered that a partner did it how did you react how does that make you feel um do you think that if you fake an orgasm should you ever own up to it or is that like a deadly mistake for whatever relationship you have Hey, Laurie, noticed you having a discussion about fake orgasms and men faking it and i can tell you from experience because yes I have faked an orgasm only once, and there was a good reason for it. But yes, it can be done. It actually wasn't that hard. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Um, but, you know, it was just going on and on and on. I don't even feel like having sex, but I just did it because she wanted it. And, you know, I'm sure women can say the same about men. And, uh, yeah, I had to bring it to a close because, you know, I was in that mode where I could just keep going on and on and on and on and on. You know, if you've done it for, like, you know, twice already that day, you know, number three, you can just, you know, so there we go. I had a good excuse to end it. I did. I faked it. It worked. I didn't upset her. I didn't upset me. You know, no need to bring it up. But yeah, it was great. And have I done it since? No. I guess I've just chosen my timings a lot better. And so has she, I suppose. That sounds cool, Safa, especially because it just doesn't seem like it was very much of a sacrifice for you. It's not like you never got yours. It's just that in that moment, you just wanted to end it without any drama. Um, I think some people were a little offended by by that type of situation. Some people said that it would be difficult, but it sounds like it all went down okay for you. So good for you. And now I'm more satisfied that my theory is continuing to be proven correct. <laughs> Next up, Dewan has some words about the whole Me Too issue. Now, Lori, I've stayed away from this Me Too campaign because honestly, I can't relate, but I can understand uh, this day and age <clears throat> that a lot of guys are not realizing or maybe they are, but just don't care of what they are doing to these women. But it is definitely a murky area in terms of, like you said, with consent and uh, the word no and all of its facets and uh, connotations and what it implies in 2018. Guys are almost built in a way to hunt the woman. And sometimes when we hunt the prey, we aren't as nice when we corner them. And it's great that you bring up convo like this to ish to usher the con to bring about the convo of me too. I'm gonna call in one more time. So now, when you know the latest celeb um, is getting accused of sexual harassment, 
we all think, man, these are people are lying. They have to be lying. And we get tired of hearing about it because it's happening so frequently. Right. But just imagine how much is happening when there's no cameras. There's no Hollywood. It's happening every day. And the unfortunate patterns is that men in power or men of trust tend to abuse it. Sometimes, in some cases, more often than not. Uh, Who watches the Watchmen? I think that's a great quote, and it's so important now. But as you've said, some people are aware of the spotlight of this Me Too campaign, and they are clumping in their stories with credible stories um, to save themselves from the shame or guilt of bad decisions they have made. Thanks, Sawan. You make very good points. And I think even... It also extends beyond men with obvious power. Like, of course, the ones that make the headlines are the famous Hollywood guys or the prominent people like politicians or in any industry. But I think what's cool about Me Too is that it exposes how pervasive like every woman has had an experience with this, whether she's met a celebrity or not, or whether she's been taken advantage of by a boss or not. It happens in so many different cases. And that's what I thought was really important. But then now you start getting these like you know, stories that are like, well, was this harassment or assault? Or was it a case of like you not knowing how to say no to a guy that you didn't like? And it's a tricky balance because unless you were literally there and one of the people involved, there's no way really of knowing how it went down. So I think everybody needs to question their behavior, um, both men and women and both unprominent men and prominent men and women. Um, As far as women go, I just feel like not enough people feel safe to make the point that women need to question themselves at all because there's all like this momentum going. And I just hope it doesn't all get drowned out. You know what I'm saying? Like similar to how you always approach your conversations on your station, like it's not about just shouting what you think at other people. It's about trying to get to the bottom of what's going to solve the problem or at least like having an open dialogue about that so that there's more of a point to it.